0: Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.
1: Hello, welcome to Fascinated. How are you? I actually mean that because we used to say that as hello. Hello. And now it literally means, have you caught the new killer disease? Is your country on the brink of civil war? Are you in financial ruins? Do you still have a career? Everything is just so weird at the moment. I keep getting asked about shows and tours and asked what I'm going to do. And I say, ma'am, I have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it's really making me start to think, uh, like, what am I going to do? What am I doing with my life? But anyway, if that's where you are at the moment, well, I hope this episode keeps the demons away for just an hour. If ever there was an episode that we should have made as a video podcast, this is the one, because my guest is recording artist and underwear model, Steve Grand. Take a moment to Google him and make sure you do it somewhere that it is safe to faint. Then, pour yourself a glass of wine, maybe Google some more, maybe run a bath. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a nice review and a five-star rating on iTunes as that helps other people find us. Also, it'd be great if you could recommend it to friends that you think might like it but might not know about it. Okay, on with the show. Before we go on, I want you to think about UX. UX is user experience. It is the feeling we get when we use an app or a website. When we have good user experience, we almost aren't aware of it. We feel that the app was trustworthy, reliable and even fun. But when the experience is bad, we don't want to repeat it. As we become more reliant on apps, websites and online tools, it is important to get the user experience right first time. UX design is a fascinating career in an industry becoming more important every day. To be a UX designer, you don't need to be a coder. You need to be able to put yourself in the place of the user. You need to understand their story and their expectations and then give them what they want. UX designers are interested in people, in understanding their stories and discovering ways of improving all of our lives. The UX Design Institute offers unique, university credit rated online courses in UX. Now some of you know that I worked in IT and I actually did a course in UX a while ago and it is absolutely fascinating. The UX Design Institute course is delivered by industry professionals, not academics, which means that when you finished, you are ready to be employed. That is really important because you have to come out of these courses with more than just theory. You have to be industry ready. If you'd like to know more about UX or you're thinking of changing careers, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash fascinated. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. My guest today is Steve Grand. On the 2nd of July 2013, Steve Grand uploaded his passion project to YouTube. A keen musician and singer, he had recorded a song called All American Boy and with a hefty budget of $7,000 had made a video to accompany it. The song had all the ingredients of a country hit: hard drinking, broken-hearted yearning and a punchy chorus. It's all right. The unrequited love story that played out in the video was very much like a young love country video, with the difference that the yearning was that of a geeky young man and his older straight friend. The video even featured a misjudged kiss before a soaring middle eight. Steve uploaded the video and went to the beach with his friends to celebrate the 4th of July. Within hours, Steve's world turned upside down. All but unknown Chicago singer-songwriter Steve Grand has broken new ground. Steve Grand. Steve Grand, 23 years old, Chicago native, he uploaded this music video to YouTube, same Sex Campfire Crush, the
0: first openly gay country musician.
1: It's already gotten a million and a half views.
0: All American.
1: Everyone wanted him and he was being written about in newspapers and all over the internet. A BuzzFeed article directed even more traffic to the video. He was the new gay face of country music. Just three days later, the enormity of what was happening to him hit Steve like a ton of bricks, right in the middle of filming a segment for Good Morning America. And he broke down in tears.
0: I felt like I really was a shame to my parents. And I felt like there was no way I could ever make them proud. And I felt like I was a constant disappointment.
1: Steve had spoken from the heart through his music and the world was listening. Up to this point, Steve's journey hadn't been easy. He grew up in Chicago and was born into a deeply religious family. He described himself as an attention-starved middle child. As a young man, he was very involved in the church and torn between religion and his sexuality. Music was the force uniting the two. While he was a musical director for church services as his day job, he also worked and gigged in gay bars around Chicago. An existence which is easily straddled if you are just answerable to yourself. When All American Boy dropped, Steve was still working in the church. In fact, he raised money for the video by performing at masses. His sexuality wasn't an issue. He had been out to his parents and friends since he was 13. For all the innocence of the All American Boy video, two thirds of the way through the video, he jumps naked into the lake with the guy he likes. If you need a timecode for that shot, it's 3 minutes and 25 seconds in. Also, there's a GIF that's just him jumping in and out of the lake. But anyway, back to the story. The video obviously drew criticism from the usual homophobic caverns of hell. But when you are suddenly the biggest new queer story in the world, the nature of journalism is that such a story gets developed to be kept alive. Questions are asked, answers are criticised, and then the backlash starts. Sadly, if there's one thing the gay community can do, it's a backlash. The media focus turned to religion. Steve confessed that when he came out, his parents had sent him to a Christian counsellor. While the advice and counselling Steve received was Christian-based and probably not entirely useful, it was a counsellor doing their best to comfort Steve and he refused to condemn his therapist for trying to help. The phrase Christian therapy became massaged in news stories to be conversion therapy. Was Steve Grant not condemning conversion therapy? He told his coming out story and his parents hadn't accepted it immediately because of their religion. They took a while to come round. Which, if we're honest, it takes parents a while to adjust. Not everybody has a great coming out story. Family turbulence is painful, but it is human. But there was pressure on Steve to throw his religious parents under the bus, which he didn't do. Steve suddenly found that he was a bull in a china shop. One slight move and something would come crashing down. The positive press had its problems too. He was hailed as the new face of country music and the first country gay artist. But he saw himself as a singer-songwriter that just happened to have written a country song. And he didn't see himself as a country artist. And besides, Shelley Wright had already come out as gay and was followed by Justin Utley and countless others. It left Steve slightly embarrassed. While the launch and impact of All American Boy had the appearance of a marketing plan implemented by a major label that would emerge from the shadows and take control, That isn't what happened.
0: the the the
1: The world wanted an album, so Steve started a modest Kickstarter, which became one of the biggest music crowdfunding projects, and the album was released 18 months later, and spawned five singles. The album was called All American Boy and the criticism continued. Should gay men be portrayed as only lusting after straight men? And on and on and on. It is the sad reality that because of a lack of queer representation in media and in general, every gay person that sticks their head up is measured against a baseline of representing the whole queer community and that of course gets challenged. Because nobody can. The sad reality is that queer people buy into that. It is impossible for one person to represent a whole community. That is not possible. Role models don't actually exist because they're not real and it is not possible for someone to live up to that and it is unfair to expect them to try. If you are shouting at someone because they don't represent you, well, what you are saying is that you are not represented, which is unfair, but it is nothing to do with the person you're angry at. So leave them alone. Steve's narrative for All American Boy was when I realised I was gay, it occurred to me that I no longer fit what it typically meant to be an All American Boy. So me naming my record All American Boy is kind of symbolic of me taking back an identity that I felt was kept from me because I was a gay person.
0: If I didn't take a trip home Start drinking in the morning New city, same story Always this club of that
1: Between 2015 and 2018, Steve was hugely in demand. He toured to support the first album and began work on a second. In the background, though, his demons were coming to the fore. He was drinking a lot to escape the pressures of expectations, of criticism and to try and be creative. In 2014, following the breakdown of his relationship, it came to a head and he was hospitalised. By the time he released his sophomore album Not The End Of Me, he was 18 months sober. He was also weathering another storm. While at a boat party with his friends, he had worn a very tasteless pair of pants, but you definitely do not want to see that picture of him in those tiny pants looking all tanned and muscly. There is nothing left to the imagination. I'll post a link. You see, as well as being a singer-songwriter, Steve is a bit of a ride. He had always been a gym bunny and he'd done some underwear modelling before his record came out. Well, you'll be delighted to know that he has taken this to the next level and he has launched his own brand of underwear called Grand Axis. And yes, he models them himself. And yes, I'll post a link. Since the release of his second album, Steve has toured and appeared in concert and at Pride events all around the world. He has sold out months-long residencies in Provincetown and Porto Valerta. Now, like everyone else, he is at home waiting out the COVID pandemic to see what happens next. This is the very lovely Steve Grant.
0: I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Like we were just saying, I can't, I can't complain. Things are difficult financially, of course. Um, but I'm lucky I have a good support system and I, you know, I've, I've lived an overall in the scheme of things. I've lived a pretty privileged life, so I'm not going to complain too hard.
1: Okay. So you're, okay. So you're feeling good and feeling positive.
0: Yeah. Especially now that the gym is open. But just slightly hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Always. (laughs) Now that the the gym is open two weeks ago, that's helped my mental health so much. I never realized, of course, I just worked, worked out because of vanity. Um, but now <laughs> I never realised how much it actually did for my not only physical well being but also my uh, my psyche and my mental health
1: Well I actually I had a similar experience because uh, when lockdown started and, gy- and the gym closed uh, I started going running which I've always hated like I've absolutely hated it. and I spent I'd say two months of going running every day and going I hate this this is awful and then about two weeks ago I had a kind of it's actually isn't so bad <laughs> so i mean it's it's not a big shift but it was like okay i actually think i could be enjoying this now so if, if nothing else that's what's come out of lockdown
0: oh yeah and i don't know if, if you get this but i feel like there's nothing like the the natural high that you get from running i barely ever run but i find when i do it feels so good even if it's just a really light jog whether it's outside or on the treadmill at the gym I really, I feel so good and I just feel like I conquer the world. And I get very creative too. I've gotten so many song ideas when I've been on the treadmill. Do you find that with really? your comedy? Yeah. Do you find like you get, I get so inspired?
1: No. Really? Okay. <laughs> I definitely don't. No, not, <laughs> no, not exercising. I really don't. I like sometimes I get, if I run in the morning, because I have all my ideas uh, between like, Eight o'clock in the morning and twelve o'clock, and anything after that has to be just writing down what I've already thought of. Okay, because I think my my brain shuts down at twelve o'clock, so I have to have all of the ideas that I thought of that morning, write them down, and then I need to develop them because nothing happens after twelve.
0: <laughs> we are opposite then, because I don't really, really get any ideas until nighttime.
1: Is that a music thing?
0: I don't. I don't know if that's a music thing. Honestly, it sounds like it's just different for everyone. I feel like it's more common for artistic people to be inspired at night, though. I feel like. We're generally creatures of the night, but there also are those people like you I hear about that they yeah want to get up and have their coffee or smoke weed and just think and write and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the it's the pre twelve. I think if if I have those days where I I lounge around in bed for a while, nothing happens. It's it's terrible <sighs> unless I hit the ground running at eight o'clock in the morning. It's just pff, it's a disaster.
0: <laughs> I wish I was like that. I wish I was more of a morning person because I think. I love the morning. I think it's, like, the most beautiful part of the day. And I feel like I've missed most of the mornings of my life <laughs> from sleeping.
1: Well, your life has been... Your life has been... It's been strange. Like, it's it's been a very different path that you, you've had uh, since 2013 when your first video kind of exploded. Because that was... It's very interesting to tell you to hear you tell the story about that because I've watched a couple of interviews that you've done. Um, your video for All American Boy, what, you were dubbed the the all new young gay face of country. Yes, which wasn't which wasn't really true in fairness.
0: Yeah, and I always push back against that, and I still kind of have to, um, mostly because I felt bad. Like I wasn't making that claim for myself, and it, I felt like it. You know, you get all these headlines that. Of course, I'm appreciative of the press I got, but sometimes that was like in the days of like BuzzFeed was like the center of the internet back then in 2013. Yeah. And they would just push out content and I, again, I want to emphasize, I appreciate all they do, but they weren't really like thorough journalists. And so they would like (laughs) pump out these headlines, like first gay country singer. And then people would, I would get all this hate because people would think I was making that claim about myself. And I was like, listen, like, no, I I didn't even know I was country singer <laughs> and like I'm, – no, I'm not claiming the, the first so I'd always make sure to like always be talking about all the people that have come before me but that was never important to me like the first whatever. I know we live in a time where like – I think we're getting a little more away from it now because there's so many diverging kind of identities yeah. that you could have. <laughs> And so it's like, people are just kind of like roll their eyes, like whatever. But yeah, I just wanted to make a good song and a good video and like make something that I was really proud of.
1: It's interesting because you masterminded that. As a marketing thing, it was genius because the video was amazing. It was a great song and it was that yearning and that, uh, like that every young gay guy gets. They fall in love with the guy they can't have. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm using the word young. Every gay guy, every year. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, but especially when you're young, it feels so intense and like, it's so, such a beautiful intensity and, but it hurts so much. It's this ache. But then as you get older, you realize like you have more of a, uh, like, you're like, Oh, that was kind of sweet. Like that. How, yeah. how much I put into that, you know? And it's like, God, I wish I was that excited about something again. <laughs> I know.
1: And you, you made that video for seven grand. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you, and you raised all that money yourself.
0: Um, my credit card company did. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first time I ever used a credit card. I had saved up like $2,000, which is a lot for me because I was, I was, it was working like minimum wage essentially. And I dropped out of school and I was living in this like dilapidated apartment, (laughs) like the cheapest one I could find on on the North side of Chicago. And, yeah, I got, I asked a lot of favors. I brought a lot of friends together. And um, yeah, it really did. It worked out so beautifully. And like looking back now, like every so often, I don't like to watch or listen to my work very often because it's like, it's so, it's such an emotional trigger. Like it takes me back to yeah. where I was and what I was struggling with. But sometimes when enough time goes by, you kind of forget the pain of it and you could just appreciate the work. And that's where I'm at with All American Boy. And I'm like, wow, this really. Like I, I am so proud of myself and uh, simultaneously I'm like, man, I didn't realize how, how lucky I was that all this kind of worked together. I think it's when something goes that well and when you feel like you're trying and you're kind of struggling as an artist and you've dropped out of school and I was kind of like a, a weird awkward kid in high school like a lot of us are and I was always like, all right, I want to be heard. I want to like make my statement and then it finally happened. And I think sometimes it's easy to over attribute every good thing that happens to like, Oh, I'm like, I'm brilliant. I did this amazing thing. Finally I'm realized, but like the stars aligned. And I also had a lot of great people that, you know, even, even the people that I hired, like no big names or anything, but the people that I got, like it's, it's not, it wasn't all me. And like, I said this at the time, but like I appreciate it in a way that i never have before over like the last year or so I was like, wow you know what, like, okay. it does take it does take a village for sure. And you don't always appreciate everything that everyone does. And it only was until I set out and made my own album, like where I did all the production. And the more I've like gotten my hands in things, the more you appreciate like, wow, all this stuff like I took for granted, like, but this is really yeah. challenging. And this is not even my wheelhouse. And like, I don't, it seems so easy to me, because this is what these people did, whether it was the videographer or the audio engineer or whatever. So I'm, I'm really just appreciative now of, of like those you, people.
1: When when that video dropped in the space of a week, or, or less than a week, you became literally headline news
0: all across America.
1: Was it was it within two days you were or three days you were on Good Good Morning America?
0: It, yeah, it was, it was something really like within within the week it, I was on Good Morning America because I released it on July second. And it was blowing up. I remember being at the beach on July Fourth with my friends, and like getting all this news in. And my boyfriend at the time, who was kind of acting as my manager, would be like, "Be like, I was like just hanging out with my friends and drinking on the beach in Chicago. It was just crazy. It was just stunning. And it was like, oh my god, like I'm becoming freaking famous. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you was so, the beach? It was so overwhelming. <laughs> it was so overwhelming, and like. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think about it a lot, but like when I have interviews like this, I'm like, it, it's kind of like a therapy session where I'm like, oh my God, what a freaking crazy thing I, I went through. It is crazy. I'm still well, working it's, through
1: it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can imagine because you were, you were out for a long time, but this was, I, I presume there were people who knew you that you hadn't had the conversation about your sexuality with when that video, or is that Is that the way it went? That's correct.
0: It was easier to kind of keep my life a little more compartmentalized. Um,
1: uh, And then you did, this was like a big bang.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I would go through like in college, it was like, you know what? I want to try not being known as like the gay kid or whatever. Like, I just want to kind of, I want to see what it's like just to kind of be um, like the second school I went to. I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to put, I'm not going to put this out there. I just want to see, like, I want to just make connections with people and with guys just like. As like, you know, not as like the gay guy, you know, that was kind of like my experimentation, you know, in a way it was like, I wasn't like back in the closet, but I was just like, I just want to.
1: It was just hanging around there. Yeah. I I, I had a similar experience actually with, um, I'm a gay comedian, but uh, there was no other gay comedian in ireland when when i started and i had an experience because i mean I, i've been out for years and told my whole family but there were definitely like extended family that i'd never had a conversation with because i've never felt why <laughs> why would i talk to you about this yeah <laughs> like who would I, why would you want to talk to your aunt yeah exactly
0: who you sleep with yeah <laughs>
1: and
0: it's like <laughs> who maybe... are sleeping
1: with this week around yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> and i did a tv show here uh i got booked to do stand up on a tv show and uh and i did think about it before i went on where i thought oh i just i forgot there's gonna be people that won't have seen my act and i've never had a conversation with and then i just had that countdown the night that it was airing where i thought okay everyone's gonna know in t minus five minutes <laughs> wow. and it was kind of it's it's an interesting thing to do but it doesn't I don't think it goes as smoothly as you expect it to. Yeah. No matter how much you don't care, it's there's still a bit of, oh, have I done the right thing?
0: Yeah. And it's like, sometimes I I don't know if this is what you found too, but like in the moment, maybe it like feels really good. But then like when you're actually interacting with people, sometimes you're like, oh, now I feel like I have to, am I the one that has to like bring this up? And I, you know, I kind of don't want to talk about it right now with like my aunt and stuff like that. Like, I I don't want to like, I don't care right now right now in this moment but it's like you know what i i did this thing and now this is just out there
1: yeah and when you're on good morning america and larry king i mean you can't you can't pretend your aunt doesn't know
0: yeah yeah exactly and so i i made a point to like be just very casual about it in in my family and with the the people that i i know and kind of like just normalize it and because i could always tell like even before like that video and stuff came out it was like you could just tell like people just danced around it. They're not really asking. They're asking about my brother and sister, like, oh, do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend? But with me, it was like, oh, how's music?
1: How are you, Steve? How's
0: music? You know, (laughs) it was like, yeah. And so I just, and it was as, as uncomfortable it was. I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to do this work. Like if I really believe this is just a totally normal thing, which I do, then I, I want to help show everybody that. And like, I feel like, I feel like some responsibility to help everyone's guard come down because they have been accepting and now i want to show them hey it's okay that we talk about this
1: yeah that, and you really you really did that i think that your video is um there's something there there's this thing about um gay culture is that we don't tend to go for the fairy tale too often you know like we, there's not many fairy tales around gay fairy tales like and your video is very much a fairy tale yeah but also I mean, it doesn't necessarily have the happy ending exactly but,
0: but it also kind of does and it was always like because I remember I would get comments like, oh, another, like, sad gay story. But I was like, it's not necessarily sad. I was like, I've always been attracted to, like, in high school and everything, I would get so into, like, the stories that we'd read in school or the music. And, like, when things didn't quite, like, wrap up neatly, um, that always, like, that was always very cathartic for me because I was at a point in my life where I was, like, feeling all this, like, angst and I was like, the world doesn't make sense. All those normal things that you kind of feel at that age. Yeah. And, but I grew up in kind of this bubble, this like pristine uh, suburban life where it's like life is a Disney movie. And, you know, it's like everyone wins in the end and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, but it's like, no, that's not the way it was. And so that was always frustrating to me. And I was like, I want to make something compelling that, that doesn't necessarily have that happy ending. And, um, this is kind of. I'm sorry, I'm going off on tangents, but I just want to. Talk no,
1: no, you're you're okay. right because I, I think that when there isn't a happy ending expected, you know, like if you don't grow up with fairy tales that you think apply to you, you don't. You grow up not expecting to have the fairy tale, and I think that's more realistic. And I think that makes you more open to opportunities. Yeah. I think that's really important. Because I, I totally you, do too. Like if you meet a guy where you're like. I have nothing in common with this person. Like if you have the fairy tale thing in your head, well, you're never going to give that a chance, but yet it could be the person that you're meant to spend the rest of your life with. And if you're not, uh, if you, if you don't have that expectation, you'll give that a chance.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I still think it's important, especially going back to like when you're younger and what you're exposed to. Like for instance, you know, know, it was always like happy ending and like things are going to turn out great and you work really hard and then things go good. Um, But And so that was, like, my point of angst and, like, realizing that's not really how life works. But can I contrast that with, like, how my family dealt with death? My family was really good about all – like, I remember as a young kid, my grandma being like, when I die, I don't want you guys to be sad because I've lived a good life and blah, blah, blah. And we were always going to funerals. Like, I have a big Polish family and we're connected. And, like, I was very, like – death was like a normal thing and it's like you mourn and it was just okay. another part of life. But I know a lot of parents try to protect their kids from, you know, that reality. And then they grow up and it's like, they have this like existential dread of like, they haven't, yeah. you know, they, they're they not confronted with like that. That is a normal yeah, part yeah. of life. They've been sheltered from that. And so it's like this, Oh my God. But I, so I feel like that was, I, I, and I contrast those two things because, that was one thing where it's like, no, this is where it's good that the truth has been. We want to, while well, we spare, uh, you know, the youth from like being confronted with harsh realities, but I think it's so important that you just kind of normalize those things.
1: Yeah, totally, absolutely. That we we're, i feel like we're getting into very heavy territory. Here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. You can, I'll let you... just like we're just—we're putting we are putting—we're just going to put the whole world to rights. Everything's going to be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious that you can have so many expectations for life, and you can really like set the boundaries for yourself, and it's all going great, and then all of a sudden a pandemic comes along and fucks the whole thing up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes you realize how fragile it is. This, yes. is this thing that is going so good, and that's why it makes me nervous. The people that just kind of want to tear everything down
1: in america i think there's so much unrest at the moment i mean from just from what we're seeing, it it looks terrifying yeah really i mean of course the the media always exacerbates
0: it um that's always going to happen but yeah we're like we this has been like cooking up for a long time you have you have like so many things you have like two halves of the country that feel like they haven't been heard and so you know we have our our uh kind of political, elite, cultural class, Hollywood, like everyone is, you know, all those people are kind of to the left and then they keep kind of like pushing, uh, you know, their, their cultural ideas on the country and it make, and then it just makes the right feel like they're not being heard. And so they do something crazy, like get Trump elected. And then it makes the other side even more like, like intense and it just, we keep pushing, Farther apart. And yeah, it's scary. And it's sad as someone that like, I love this country. um, We clearly do have, like, real issues we need to sort through. There are people that haven't been treated equally that have been systematically oppressed. And we need to address that because, like, you can't just keep like shoving that under the rug.
1: Not at all. And I, I, and I think hopefully something will come of this. And I, so I always feel really naive saying something like that, because I feel like the the diddly, diddly Irish boy from the other side of the world that really doesn't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't even know what's going on. I'm, but yeah, I, I'm very, I'm very like invested in this stuff. And I'm always trying to like learn and understand and read. But I'm, all, I'm changing my mind every second. And like, the more, as Bono said, the more you see, the less you know, you know, and it's uh, yeah. nothing more true. <laughs>
1: Um, you're you've just released your second album, not the end of me, um, which uh you released your first album. That was the third biggest Kickstarter campaign, uh, I think. Am I right? Yes.
0: Yeah, so my first album, I funded my first album with Kickstarter, and it was the third biggest biggest music project on Kickstarter at the time.
1: That must have been incredible.
0: Yeah, that was to watch wild. that happen. I exceeded my goal within 24 hours, and I like cried. I couldn't. I had such a different concept of money at that age. Like I, I was asking for $60,000, which now like that I see the expenses of like studio time and like getting to work with good people and like uh, all the costs of it. Like that really was not a large amount of money for like really trying to do a major music project, um, especially with all that I promised. I like a really over-promised. Um, so it was like, oh my God, people are just like, they believe in what I'm doing and they want to support it. And that's, that was a, a beautiful thing. And then I still ended up, I ended up raising over $300,000 and was just, just like, I've no, I had no concept for that amount of money. And one of the things I've wish I knew better or had better guidance with was like budgeting, you know, like, because okay three hundred yeah. million three hundred million three hundred thousand $300,000 <laughs> might, may as well have been 300 million to me. Like, you know, there was no, like when you go from making $10 an hour, I would make a hundred, but I would get a hundred dollars for playing two hours of live music at a bar, like, which was, they were, I was being very ripped off. <laughs> I mean, I would take, I would take requests, you know, it was like a piano bar and they were like able to market, you know, I'm appreciative of the opportunity, but nonetheless, I had no real concept of But
1: you won't be money. back. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't say that, but I won't. I, no, I'm not. No, you're not getting two hours of live. Not for a hundred dollars. Two for two hours. right off. I would drag my keyboard in. I would drag my keyboard in there. I would drive an hour each way, and like I would have like bachelorette girls like asking me to play Usher and grabbing my ass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like to go then and make your next album? Uh, I- after the, after the first one, like you've done, you've had all that expectation first time round. you've exceeded all your goals. And then, you know, two years later, it comes time to, to do another record. Were you, was that terrifying? Did you, because I mean, th- like there is a very big change, I think, in style. Like that that's, what's interesting, I think, about your music is that you, you don't, you're, you don't nail down one sound. Yeah. Um, and there's, and it, was that deliberate or were you just experimenting?
0: It was just a, tr- a strategic error. <laughs> 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 um, and that's what I've decided as of lately. Um, yeah. I mean, I was always uh, like, I didn't realize that people were as married to like the sound of like that first, you know, my first song, like All American Boy. I didn't, I was always like, oh, it's about the storytelling for people, but it's about a lot of different things for people. Like for some people, it's about the storytelling. Some people, it's about the sound. And again, that's something else that I took for granted. I was like, I could just make kind of, you know, I could tell my stories on all this different kinds of production. I could do more of like this electro pop stuff or this or that, or something more folksy, something more country, something more dancey. Um, And like, I'm glad I had like the, I was able to explore, but I think what from that, the lesson I've I've taken from is like, yeah, it's good to create and it's good to like push the boundaries. But at the end of the day, you still need to like, recognize if you want to keep the audience you've established, like you've got to have a pretty good understanding about what people like about it. Even if people aren't being vocal okay. about it on social media, you still have to be like, all right, Hey, let's not like just totally reinvent everything every time. Like there is still like an essence that, that needs to be there.
1: Yeah, and well, and the essence is you, I think, because the the thing about the All American Boy song, I was, I was listening to it, I, I watched the video again today, and I was trying to think what is it about the there's something about all of that that works. It sounds like that that rock country sound, but there's also this kind of there's a sincerity to it, yeah, that I think sometimes is missing in that in that rock country sound. There's this like it's such a. Just like such a passionate, horny sort of drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's that's so a, teenage. It's a great way to put it. Um,
0: and I think um, you're, I think you're right when you say like, well, I think it's it's more than that because I think I made the mistake of thinking it was like only my essence, and I was like, whatever I do, these people are going to like because it's me that's doing it, you know. And it's kind of like, yeah, it was like an e- a very maybe egotistical way of thinking about it. But um, I think like as I've gotten older and matured, it's like, oh no, like it's a great like mystery and mix of things that like make people resonate with something and it's like for a lot of people i think the majority of people it wasn't me it was like the story and it was a sincerity that i told the story with that like really yeah. like got people and i think that i have more of an appreciation for that now than i did at the time
1: i also that sincerity that does ring true i think in a lot of your other music like the there's a song on the it's actually not the end of me on, on that, that which you really... There, there's a couple of tracks in that album where you really feel like you are scooping right inside your heart. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Because you, you went through a rough time around the recording of that. Yeah,
0: yeah I, um, I was really starting to, like, abuse alcohol. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to numb everything out because it was like, I had all these expectations. I thought I was really going to be, like, this big star once All American Boy came out. And it didn't necessarily pan out that way. And I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've had. And like, I don't ever want to sound like I'm not grateful, but it was like, I did have like, I had the, I, I had huge, huge dreams and expectations. Um, you know, and in some ways it's like, yeah, like I, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't fulfill all these, those things. Not, not yet at least. Um, But I I was doing all these things, like all the kind of stuff that I'm saying now here. It's like I was working through all that and I was like feeling, I was, I think I felt a lot of guilt. I think I felt like I I squandered a lot of opportunities and I had such a difficult time forgiving myself for that. And so I think I just wanted to be numb a lot of the times.
1: And I, I think that's a real artist thing as well. I think that's what happens to people that create things for a living. I always think you're made to feel like you're the one that's the problem. Whereas like you're the one that started this thing in the first place. I, I, like, I definitely get that. That it's an industry that will say, "Oh, well, the reason that that didn't happen is because you blah blah blah." And you're like, "Well, yeah, hold on a second. I brought this to the table." We're so quick to grab that guilt or to grab that responsibility, even.
0: I think a lot of people are, but also I see a lot of the kind of opposite thing where you like you bl- like as a defense mechanism, you blame everyone around you. Like you blame your label, you blame blame all this, but. The one thing I feel like I've had a certain sense of self-awareness through this and I would never really give that out to myself, even though sometimes I probably wish I could. So yeah, I did (laughs) just take on that guilt.
1: Yeah, that's hard. That's a a hard place to be. Um, Because like both your are you going to do another album? Because both your records are great.
0: You know what? For this last year, I've been like, God, I don't know what the hell I want to say anymore. Like, maybe I'm not going to make another record. But honestly, just in these last few weeks, I've just had this like flood of creativity and i'm like have multiple songs that i'm working on right now i'll be in my car driving and i'm like singing into my phone and then i'll jump on the you know piano when i get home and just like um get it out i just have all these melodies in my head and i'm like yes it was like maybe the universe was kind of like it made me appreciate what i had before because i'm not like i'm not so technically skilled and i'm not i'm no like you know like genius where I could just like pump up songs regardless of how I'm feeling. Like it has to, with me, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. Like I have to genuinely feel something because um, that's the only way I can make something compelling.
1: I think that's the secret of your stuff though. I think because you are so honest in the first verse of one of your songs, I, you totally get where you're coming from.
0: That's, that's my, that's what I've learned to appreciate. And it's like, now I, I have such reverence for that. And maybe before I took it for granted, and this has been the universe being like, all right, you know, you think you think you're so smart. Well, let's, let's see what, do you have, what happens okay. when you're when you're not feeling so much?
1: OK, and um, the other thing we've got to talk about is uh, your uh, your your pants, Steve.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. So you guys say in Europe, right? You call them
1: pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you're yeah underpants. Yeah. Um. Or keks is we sometimes say keks in Ireland. Okay, but you don't say underwear. Oh no, we we do. We say underwear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but pants is
0: more of like the slang kind of casual way. Of yeah. Saying. It's
1: kind of like yeah yeah
0: yeah you're in your, you're in your pants. Yeah. And so what you and trousers are then what you actually wear over? <laughs> or tra-
1: yeah trousers or uh, yeah trousers or jeans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> More you know. so so your underwear that's the other thing like we can't we can't gloss over this as well if you've been on your instagram like it that's an impressive instagram account steve oh thank you <laughs> there's a lot of supremo content on there
0: <laughs> well i'm glad you're enjoying it yes i do a lot of many thirst traps so be careful you know you might fall into one of yeah
1: those listen traps. happy to fall in steve. happy to fall in yeah. anytime
0: <laughs> but yeah that's a whole nother part of uh that's a whole nother part of me for sure you know like I I like – well, I don't like working out as much as like I like, you know, trying to look like a big tasty snack. You know, that's really the – <laughs> um, And yeah. sick Yeah. And so that's been another thing that's made quarantine difficult with just like not being able to work out and then just like withering away. But now over the last two weeks, like it's – you know, when you have that muscle memory, it comes back pretty quick. So I'm like, yes. Brilliant. But yeah, that's been always like I've been – I was really hard on myself when I was younger because – I went through puberty quit like faster than my peers. And so I was really tall and really lanky and I just hated that. And so I like started working out at a really young age and I just like, that was like one of my other like obsessions. Like I just felt like I wasn't like a real man if I wasn't like, you know, big, you know? So of, of course, like, okay. mo- like most th- things that, you know, that appeal to people for me, it comes from pathology.
1: <laughs> okay. Right. It's obsession. Oh, but we were talking about, <laughs> I mean, go ahead. It made, for, it made for a great Act 3 turnaround in the All-American Boy video because, oh, right. you know, you, you see this All-American boy who's kind of like a little bit of a geeky sort of look. And then it's like, holy, the shirt came off. Yep, yep.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, from a storyboard point of view, it really, it served you well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate it. It always makes me laugh when I see like the gifs of just like me jumping over and over again. It's like a loop. <laughs> Very silly. Um, but anyways, we're gonna talk about the underwear. So yeah, I um, I honestly it came from because I've always been like obsessed with underwear and swimwear and speedos and jock straps. Like since I was little, like that's how I like discovered my sexuality. I think from like those catalogs that would come in the mail. <laughs> like it's a common yeah. gay story. Um, and so I like I collected really like is. hundreds, probably like probably like over a thousand like units of just like underwear and swimwear and all that stuff. And I was always like a I, thousand.
1: Give a thousand pair of pants.
0: Probably. Oh, God. Yeah. I have, they have like garbage bags full. And I don't get rid of them, even if they're like gross. Just because it's like, it's like they, I have such an emotional attachment to all of them. They're all clean and washed. Everyone's calm down. So you.
1: <laughs> so So even. Do you like keep them as in, like, oh, I remember, I remember the good time I have, having those? Yeah.
0: I have an archive. My archives are. Yeah. It's
1: going to end up in the Smithsonian. You do realize that.
0: I doubt that, but if all, if, Hey, last case scenario. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyways, I started it because I was like, I'm really bad about reaching out to brands and using my social media following to like, I'm bad at monetizing that. And I'd always see people with lower followings that were always getting these deals. And I was like, I suck at that. I was always like not happy with the deals I was doing. So I was like, I just need to make my own brand and just promote it because this is something I genuinely love and feel like I could do good. I was always like looking for a brand that I was like, all right, I want to find a brand and then just like rep them and I'll promote them. And you know, like, you know, be something that I love doing and also something I can make some extra money from. And like, I never, I was never like quite satisfied with any single brand. I always wanted to like do things different. So I would like start so like cutting them and making changes. And then I just started okay. making my own stuff and learning to sew. And I was like, I got to just make up my own brand. So that's what I did. I launched in December at, uh, you could check it out at shop And that's access like a X I S like the a- axis of the earth. And so right now I just have some, some underwear on there. I have jock straps, briefs and um, boxer briefs. And then hopefully by next month I'll have swimwear. There's going to be like five styles from like shorts and like gym shorts and um, like square cuts and bikinis and briefs and all that good stuff. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And honestly, that's been sucking up more of my career. I was like, oh, let's do this on the side. It'll be a passive income. And, you know, after, even though my sales have been good, like I just got my my accountant, like just was like showing me like, the numbers and i'm like he's like oh yeah you're still like in the red by tens of thousands of dollars and i was like oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> i was like so much <laughs> so i need to scale up so people buy the underwear you know, so, so can- you
1: need to get out there and you need to sell those pants, Steve. yeah
0: exactly or i just need to w- learn how to bring my costs down i'm like i'm a creative guy so i'm not always like i like numbers but i'm not always paying attention to the numbers
1: i know is that bit so hard I always think that that bit is the hard, that's the hardest piece is the business side of things. I'm like, I'm like, give me an idea. I'll go away. I'll write the script. No problem. Yeah. But when it comes to sending that script to the right person or have, you know, contacting the right person that can actually do something with it, disaster. Yeah. Absolutely disaster.
0: Yeah. And it's Um, tough. It's like, you don't know how much to ask. You don't want to ask too much and like scare people away, but then you don't want to also like be taken for a ride. And it's like hard to know what you're like the value the value of the work is because you're like listen I'll take this but ideally like I want I like kind of need this in order to make a decent living
1: I know and it's like the expectation as well because sometimes I sometimes think if you chase those people down that when you get them there is this little voice in your brain going but can you deliver yeah (laughs) yeah and I think that that's I think that's I think that's a gay thing as well I think that that comes into that whole self-worth thing
0: Oh yeah. I mean, really any issue you could, you could have is like generally exacerbated if you're, if you're LGBT, you know, it's, it's the yeah. truth. Cause you kind of just grow up with a di- whole different, you, I mean, and it's different for everyone, but. You have a whole extra thing to figure out about yourself.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah, it's hard work. And you, but you, you've done a great job of that, I think, because you were you were heavily involved, like in the church. So it's it's a hard thing to pull out of yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all veneer Um, with me. I'm like dying on the inside. But
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, look, uh, that's it's it's the best shred that you can possibly get.
0: (laughs) What, uh, What would what would the earth? What would our culture be like? What would Human civilization be like if we didn't have um, repressed gay men making like taking their I know. brokenness and making the world beautiful.
1: Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the suffering. The, the, hey, and I want to be suffering clear, of a whole. I've <laughs> been of a whole group of people has just been justified.
0: <laughs> Anyone that's listening to this and is like, "This guy's terrible," like I'm, I'm being a little, I'm being, I'm being a little silly, you know. There some, but, tr- but, there's but, but there's, there's some, some truth to But there's some truth to that
1: because it, the, like the great art, like I just don't think, you know, I just don't think that happy people make great art. I just don't think they do. I think it comes from being a little bit, a little bit self-critical, a little bit down on yourself. And it's like all of the good poets come from Ireland. That's because we've got terrible weather. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> there's something to be said about that. Yeah. And it's like same thing with like you, New York, like and Chicago, like interesting stuff comes out of there. You know, like in LA, it's like all like nice and pretty. I think also though, some people are really inspired to make art if they are just so overwhelmed by like the beauty that they see in the world, like a spiritual moment of like, oh my God, like watching a sunset or like being out on the ocean or like seeing, being in nature, just being like, oh my God, like I want to memorialize this.
1: Well, we had a very heavy start, a spiritual end. <laughs>
0: oh my God. Yes, yeah, Sorry. I'm, oh, this is what happens. This is why I don't do a lot of interviews. I just go, <laughs>
1: no you're great you're great at this this is really really good i
0: think this is a better version of me though than like when i really fucking don't want to do it and (laughs) yeah then i'm like i'll have a bad experience with one interview where i like i said something that was taken out of context and i'll be like all right i'm an idiot and i just need to like say nothing you know but it's so against my nature to be like that this is so this is this is who i am more more
1: But it's interesting because you do seem to get a lot of shit because I've followed you for quite a while ever since the the All-American Boys. So I've seen the stuff that you get shit for. And also there's this thing that I think happens in the gay community where, um, and I've interviewed quite a few people that have stuck their head above the parapet in in the gay community. And it's been really chopped off them at the time. And in retrospect, people always go back and go, oh, but wasn't it great? But it's like, but you weren't supporting at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I I think with me, you know, i definitely been my own worst enemy and like sometimes you say things like in the heat of the moment and it's so easy and like you just want to be like oh yeah like well these people suck or whatever like I don't you know you hear like some kind of criticism and I mean not even just criticism but like people could be really really nasty and you read something and it just you feel sad and hurt and you kind of want to lash out maybe you say something that you kind of don't really mean or or regret and then it just kind of exacerbates everything because I think I felt like When I just got out there, I was like, it was disheartening to see, like, of course, anyone that does anything, you're going to get hate. And that's what you just got to expect. I wish I had someone that, like, better understood that and led me through it. But at the same time, I'm so stubborn. I have to learn the hard way on things. And I had to learn that, like, all right, like, no matter what you do, it's like people are going to give you crap. Now, like, no one really cares about me, so I don't get anything on any side, which I'm fine with for now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, it, like, I, I definitely think as well in the gay community, there is that thing of um, of people who are handsome and pretty, and it, it, it's almost like um, the fact that beautiful people exist means that, it's an annoyance. It's almost like it's done to spite people who feel themselves that they're not beautiful. And I think that, that in the gay community, there's an awful lot of that. Like, I've seen some of the stick you've definitely got for, like, underwear and stuff like that, which has been ludicrous. Like, And that must be a very strange thing to live through.
0: Yeah. And that's, like, it's a, such an important balance of things because it's like, okay, that may not be fair to me, but also I have to look at that, like, I, uh, like people are saying the things that they're saying because of out of frustration for themselves and maybe the ways that they've been treated. Um, and so like, I always like try to redirect and like, and you know, you could hold two thoughts simultaneously. And I think people always have trouble doing this, but like simultaneously, I think that like, hey, like people have like said some shitty things to me that I don't, I like, I don't, I don't deserve to be spoken about that way. I, I could believe that. But I could also believe that like this pain that people feel is, is real. I, it might be misdirected at me, but like, I still could have compassion for, for the way that, uh, the way that people feel, because I think, you know, out in the world, you know, people maybe feel like they're not treated well because of the way they look, or the color of their skin, or their size, or for whatever amount of reasons. And then you see someone that looks like they kind of have everything, and yeah, it's it's like you kind of want to be spiteful of it. It's easy to forget that that person that looks. You know, so pretty to you is how ha- also has their own demons and probably doesn't even think they look that great. You know, and is is only kind of doing that because uh, you know out of their own you know to some degree their own in- in- insecurity and they want validation and love just like you do.
1: Before you go, I want to ask you about the future.
0: Oh, just something really uh, light, yeah, like the future. Yes. Well, <laughs> well um, civilization, with, with
1: like a, with like the pandemic, and you know, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, civilization is collapsing. We're headed towards yeah. a civil war. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's. What are you gonna have for lunch?
0: <laughs> I'm trying to make friends with billionaires so that they invite me to live in their bunker when the nuclear missiles go off.
1: Me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, you, you need to find a rich husband, marry money, Steve. That's what needs to happen. And <laughs> um, so it, it's like in the future. Do you think what well, it's more underwear? New record, possibly.
0: Yeah, I think I want um, to gear up for like a next spring or summer release of an album. Like, I'm literally going to just grab my guitar that's right over there after this interview. And I'm just going to, because I've even been like, I feel, I just, I'm getting in, like, you've helped me get in in a rhythm here, actually. Like, talking about all this stuff. Really? Um, And so, yeah, I'm feeling inspired. And I just need to, you know, you got to strike when the iron's hot.
1: Steve, it's been absolutely fab talking to you. It's been so It has been, thanks Uh, for
0: taking so long and listening and asking great questions.
1: My absolute pleasure. And uh, I really look forward to the next phase of Steve Grant. Thank you so much. That was the lovely Steve Grand. Now I have some news. Sean Smith from Same Difference has finally released his debut album. It's called Solo. It has been in the works for quite some time. I met Sean back in episode 42 and we had a blast. It was such a fun interview. We met in person back when you could do that. And he also has a new single out called Summertime. So check that out. You'll get it in all the usual places. It's on all the streaming services and you can buy physical copies through the link in Sean's bio on Instagram. Also, another former guest, Shelley Wright, has released her album Lifted Off The Ground. Well, she's actually re-released it on vinyl. It was an album that she wrote when she was planning come out. If you want to hear the story of the album, I spoke to Shelley about it in episode 27, which remains my favourite episode of all time. This is such a good album. Um, I just got my signed vinyl copy in the post and it is beautiful. So uh, check out Shelley Wright on Shelley.com and get your copy because it is an absolute treat. A big thanks to my guest, Steve Grand. He is at Steve Grand Musician on Instagram. He's also on all of the other socials. I'll post a link in the episode info along with all those other links I promised. I am at Garoads Fairly on Instagram and I'm also on Twitter but god almighty it is tedious on there these days there will be a new episode soon and it is a great one Uh, I just recorded the interview and he's a great guy and he's a really special guest and I was delighted um, that he agreed to chat to me Uh, he was a solo artist in the 90s and he had lots of hits that you will definitely know he was great to chat to so look out for that to you stay safe wear your mask and uh, hopefully things will get better soon thanks for listening This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: Being a parent can be really challenging.